This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. So, um, I'm going to just roll this sleeve up. Around 200,000 Londoners have now had the COVID vaccine, but as we reported yesterday, the city's receiving fewer doses than some other parts of the country. In fact, we've learned just a tenth of the jabs given nationally have been received in the capital. Pressure is now growing on ministers to speed up that rollout. Nevertheless, there may be signs the infection rate is plateauing in London. Our deputy political editor, Nicholas Cecil, is here. Nicholas, is there hope on the horizon? Yes, it looks like there's hope on the horizon. For a number of days now, we've seen cases coming down in more than 10 boroughs in London or so. Uh, The latest figures show they're down 18.3% in Bromley, for example, in the week to January the 8th, in Richmond, 18.1%, Kingston, 15.6%, and also, for example, in the east of the city, Havering, 14.3%. The east of the city has been particularly badly hit by coronavirus. But even as we have this renewed optimism now, there is this row over vaccinations, whether London's getting its fair share of doses. We spoke to our health editor, Ross Lydell, about this on the podcast yesterday, and we know that Sadiq Khan wrote a letter to Boris Johnson appealing for more to be sent to the city. What has been Downing Street's response? Yes, Downing Street is insisting that every region is getting its fair share of the vaccine. And what I understand is that the vaccination started rather more slowly in London, partly because of the pace at which GP vaccination hubs were set up. What I expect, though, that soon there will be a a significant pickup in vaccinations, partly due to far more doses coming through the system. So there'd be a lot more vaccine to go around. Is the government still confident then that it's going to hit its targets? It's sounding quite bullish about the target to vaccinate around 14 million people in the four highest risk groups um, by mid-February. And certainly with these programmes, what, what tends to happen is they tend to start quite slowly. They're, they're possibly a few problems initially and then things get ironed out and and then I think you'll see lots of queues of people waiting to get their vaccinations uh, in coming days and weeks and that there will probably be a a feel-good factor generated by that in the country 
But that's going to be offset by some very gloomy figures over hospitalizations and also over fatalities from COVID in coming weeks. Despite that bullishness, though, and despite those encouraging figures for London, I think the message is still pretty clear that there is a long way to go yet. Yes, no, we're certainly talking weeks um, before we we see probably a, a really proper fall in the second wave in London. And the number of hospitalizations and fatalities could take even longer to go down. Certainly the figures over the Christmas and New Year period in terms of case numbers have been very volatile, but I'm expecting them to to start to decline a bit more sharply in coming days. And Nick, has there been any further talk about the proposed tightening of lockdown restrictions which were being threatened recently? Ministers have been discussing that and and they are certainly prepared to do that if necessary. At the moment, I think they're just waiting to see what the impact of the lockdown is and hoping that they don't need to restrict them further. Part of what they're doing at the moment is to get stronger messaging out and also stronger enforcement of the current rules because you can have the toughest rules in the world, but they'll make little difference if people are not following them and if they're not being properly enforced. There's more from Nicholas in the Evening Standard's comprehensive coverage of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, available in the newspaper and online at standard.co.uk, where you'll also get breaking news on our live blog. And there's been plenty of that happening in the United States. As she walked in to sign the articles of impeachment against Donald Trump, observers noted House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wore the same dress as last time the US president faced charges. And before she laid that signature down, she stood behind the very podium that had been stolen by one of the mob who breached the Capitol in a riot deemed insurrection that Mr Trump is now accused of inciting. Today, in a bipartisan way, the House demonstrated that no one is above the law, not even the President of the United States. That Donald Trump is a clear and present danger to our country, and that once again, we honored our oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help us God. But what happens next and how will security change before Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th? From Washington, I'm joined by Julie Grace Brufke, who's the Capitol reporter for The Hill. Julie Grace, America now has a president impeached twice. It's coming after that riot at the Capitol. You were there. And there's still more detail about that coming out. How are people dealing with the aftermath of all this? I... I mean, the the vibe has changed dramatically. So I was there last Wednesday. I mean, I've I've been covering the Capitol for years and you never, you never feel unsafe or think that anything like that could ever happen. And then, I mean, then it did. And uh, I mean, I left work at almost, I guess it was probably 1 a.m. on Monday night and I was just walking. There were probably 500 to 1,000 National Guard, full gear, guns sleeping in the Capitol Visitor Center where there's tunnels and steps to be able to get in there. And there's fences everywhere now. And uh, I mean, it's really sad to see, you know, it's got the People's House where there's so much access at one point that a group of people that are domestic terrorists could kind of change things. And I know that you guys at the Hill have been talking to a lot of the people, the representatives, the staff who were there at the time, and some of the details that are just starting to come out, 
it was a lot more scary than I think people may have realized while watching that on TV. Oh, it was terrifying. I mean, I, I'd never felt unsafe. I mean, you think you're in one of the most secure buildings in the world and all of a sudden I'm ducking under a chair with it, wearing a gas mask, texting my mom. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but tell the family I love them, you know, and it's uh, never a text that, I mean, I didn't sign up to be a war correspondent. I signed up to cover leadership in the house, you know, it's, uh, I was like, this is, this is above my pay grade, but uh you know, um, I mean, I, I don't think, I think everyone was terrified. I think everyone's still kind of scared. I mean, it's a jarring experience. And even though there's more security, there's all these threats next week. And these same people are threatening to come back with guns at the White House, Supreme Court, Congress. It's, I mean, it's terrifying. There's, there's still people, they, they had planted bombs outside the RNC and the DNC, and they still haven't caught the guy that planted pipe bombs. So it's, I mean, well, while things are much more locked down, it definitely looks and feels more secure i think it's it's kind of scary to have that dramatic change is there a nervousness ahead of the inauguration then absolutely i mean i think there was already going to kind of be a smaller crowd because of the pandemic and they were limiting the number of people but i think especially now i, I mean i talked to capitol police officers and they said it could be more dangerous i mean obviously there's tons of military here now but they were concerned they were like if, if you don't have to be here don't don't come up to the building if, i mean just if you can avoid it. So getting back to the things that normally happen to political reporters, like you know, as much as the second impeachment of a US president can be described as normal, this is the sort of thing that you would expect to be working on, sort of. We had this impeachment last night. What does happen next then? Where does it go? So it's over. It's headed to the Senate and whether or not Leader McConnell opts to bring that up. He, I mean, he's expressed an openness to it, but it's still kind of unclear. So, I mean, the president's gone in a couple days. There's a lot of people arguing that at this point, it's kind of a moot point. He's gone. He could be convicted for certain things upon leaving office. Do we need to do this? So I think on the Republican side, I think Democrats, I mean, we saw a unanimous vote last night in the House. I think they're very much like we need to make sure this man can never run for president again. I mean, I think people on both sides, for the most part, are, are very angry with the president right now. It's, I mean, he incited, I mean, incited a mob to come storm the Capitol. He put even his biggest allies in danger. So it's, uh, I'm not sure anyone could have even imagined it two weeks ago that that was possible. And there was that bipartisan element to the vote. Ten Republicans voted against their president. Are we likely to see that repeated in the Senate? You mentioned Mitch McConnell hasn't really come out either way there. What do, what do we think is going to happen? I, I'm not sure they'll be able to reach the threshold needed to impeach him, but I think it's definitely be more bipartisan than last time, especially with members that have announced that they're not running again and really don't have a political risk of losing that Trump base. I, I think a lot of them will absolutely join on if it ultimately is, is brought up. I mean, I think there's a lot of frustrations there, bipartisan frustrations. So I, I would not be, it would not shock me if it passed the Senate. Are you daring to hope that the inauguration on the 20th will bring normalcy back to US politics? One could hope. I mean, I, uh, it's, it's been, I mean, it's been an adventure for the past four years, but I don't think anyone saw it completely ending like this. I, um, we've heard Joe Biden talk about unifying things, whether that's possible I feel like still remains to be seen. There are people out there that genuinely believe this election was stolen because they've been fed so much misinformation. And I mean, those people clearly are very angry at looking at what happened. So I, um, whether or not that can, they, they can kind of convince people to believe in democracy again and the election and be able to unify, it, it's going to be a tough path, but hopefully that happens. It's, uh, 
guess that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> and that's the leader. Come back tomorrow afternoon at four. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.